crazy last episode of Torts. We're talking about damages, and damages can get pretty extensive, um, but at the same time, it's pretty straightforward. We really just need to focus on how to calculate damages, what types of damages there are, and it use that to determine uh, a couple of other miscellaneous things, such as present value, non-economic losses, economic losses, um, and, and etc. So. Let's go ahead and hop right into it. What kind of damages are there? Well, there are three kinds of damages. There's nominal dam damages. This is just a trivial amount of damages. There's compensatory damages, and this is the damages that we typically think of where we're trying to restore the plaintiff back to their original state. And then there's punitive damages where we're punishing the defendant for their actions, and the purpose of that is to deter them from ever committing that again. So let's go ahead and talk about how to calculate some of these damages. And this comes from Anderson v. Sears, where we look at what kind of damages the courts are going to consider. So they're going to look at past physical and mental pain, future physical and mental pain, future medical expenses, loss of earning capacity, and the permanent and permanent disability and disfigurement. So ultimately, what we're learning from this is the maximum recovery rule, where for each one of those items that I just listed, the courts can give an item in damage. So the jury, they do all their deliberation and they determine how much damages the person has incurred. And if the court discovers this is too much, the jury was a bit unreasonable with their analysis, well, then they can say, Instead, here's the maximum amount that they can be given for each of these. And if the jury's amount exceeds that, then we're going to lessen the jury's amount through a remitter, which is just telling the plaintiff you can accept this or a new trial. We're going to lessen the jury's amount to what is the maximum recovery that the plaintiff can actually recover for. And so that's the maximum recovery rule, and those are the types of damages that are available within the compensatory and damages. So in those things, there are examples of economic losses, and we have examples of non-economic losses. We talked about both of those things in that case, but let's just list out what's considered economic. They're pretty straightforward and easy to recover. A prime example would be medical bills. Uh, so types of economic losses include past and future medical bills, increased medical monitoring. So, for example, if you need to continue to go to the doctor because of ongoing conditions, that's increased medical monitoring. Past wages lost, and so if you lose opportunities to work. And then loss of earning capacity, which is just saying, I can't work anymore, and so I need to be compensating for that. And the loss of earning capacity is actually what's the most difficult of these economic losses to calculate. It's the most expensive, but it's also the most unpredictable. What about non-economic losses? Well, these include things like mental anguish as a result of physical pain, loss of function or loss of appearance, Emotional distress from legal malpractice, uh, loss of enjoyment of life. And these are going to be like examples that activities that you can't do anymore, such as bowling, climbing, spending time with your grandchildren, etc., those kind of things. And 
our challenge really is how do we measure this, the non-economic losses. And the per diem argument is one way that people try and measure these damages. So they're going to try and focus on the losses and put it on a daily or an hourly wage and calculate it for the expectancy of life. But ultimately, that's going to come out to a very high number. And so a lot of the time, the per diem argument does not actually uh, take a whole lot of value, but most jurisdictions do have the per diem argument. What about present value? And what do I mean by present value? Well, are we accounting for future damages? And the answer is yes, but we're going to discount that future damages. So for example, say you were injured and you expect throughout the future to have a million dollars in damages. Well, the court expects that you're going to invest that. So if you get a million dollars today, well then, and then you invest that, you're actually over the period of time going to be making a lot more than what your expected damages were going to be. So we don't take present value into consideration. Instead, we discount that to give you what you think, what we think you can reasonably invest to actually make that amount. So plaintiffs are going to argue that the rate of return is a lot lower. That way they get a lot more money up front. And defendants are going to argue that the rate of return is much higher and so that they don't need to pay as much money up front. So that's present value. Along with that, are we going to consider inflation? And typically the answer to that is no, although some courts do end up doing that. Finally, let's talk about punitive damages. Uh, they're not as simple as they might sound. Uh, a long time ago, they were used more frequently. But over time, the Supreme Court has made a few rulings where punitive damages have become quite rare. And instead, the courts want to focus on like a win-and-go-home philosophy where it's not a win-and-punish-everyone-else kind of deal. We don't want to focus on that. And the only exception to that are business tort cases. And so that is really a damages in a nutshell, uh, how they work, how we calculate them. And it's a little sad because going through my notes, I did realize a couple of things that I missed on the final. But ultimately, uh, that is how damages work. Uh, that's our semester of torts. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And I am very excited to finish up the semester. We only have criminal law left. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.